Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, in association with Hoppy's Dry Suit Services, keeping you dry in the wet stuff. For more information, search Hoppy's Dry Suit Services on Facebook. Welcome to Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, which will take you on a roller coaster journey around the world. Follow me from Beijing to New York City and back as I share my tales to tell, encompassing the 10 years of Gliadric and the Kabbalistic Cavalry, as well as touring with some well known faces. From celebrity stories to travel nightmares, We'll be reminiscing on the ridiculousness of it all, with special guests jumping in along the way. All Ears is your new favourite weekly podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Hello once more. How are you? I'm all good, how are you? I'm all good, man. I'm, you're, you're coming from an exotic location this evening. Yes, another, another, well, another. I think we've only been two. <laughs> oh, come on now, you're getting a name for yourself there. All we need to try and all we need to point out is that Ali, Ali Ogilvy is on location um, for the first time, not the last. We don't need to put. We don't need to point out where that location is. But I believe you you had a an, an interesting visitor out the window the other day. Yeah, uh uh-huh. at the the same location. I suppose is the best same way to say location. that. Same location, which could absolutely not be disclosed this evening on the podcast. No, but it, it, I mean it wouldn't be difficult to work out. If you knew their whereabouts in the last few weeks. Having said that, this is going out weeks in advance. So, do you so, want to um, tell us about the visitors, or are you just going to leave the listeners in suspense? Uh, it depends. How long have we got? How long can we leave them in suspense for? That's I don't the know. Thing. Um, William and Kate, I guess. I mean, as if I know them by their first name, I don't know them at all. William and Kate, what? Fade down the road. Ah, Big Willie and uh, and wee Kate. As opposed to wee Willie and Big Kate. <laughs> Nobody wants that. I suppose our uh, latest exciting news is the fact that today, as we record this podcast on location, um, that <laughs> today um, we have charted in four countries simultaneously for the first time. Not only the UK and the ever-present Cambodia. Cambodia. We've added New Zealand to that list this week. And today we added Japan to that list. So to, today is the first day that we've ever charted in four countries simultaneously at one time. That's pretty crazy. It is a bit nuts, yeah. Um, I mean, we say it every time. Cambodia, they're, they're sticking with us for some reason. Yeah, they, they certainly are. You, you, you use the phrase, it's spreading like COVID in Cambodia. <laughs> yeah. Got, I enjoyed that very much. I'm not sure if that's the right phrase. I'm not sure if we should use that. But Ali. I've got something to say to you, though. <laughs> what I need to say to you, and that's because we should apologise to any of our listeners who tuned, who tuned into our recent episode with Alan Cumming, um, who, um, of course, dropped the F-bomb, and uh, um, Ali here did not edit it out. And I should point out that I did not hear it either when I listened back to it, so um, we're both at fault. Apologise for any uh, apologies for any listeners who were offended by Ali's for f***'s sake. One job. <laughs> One job for the last 39 episodes. So basically, I'm going to keep saying it so that you edit out every single one of these. Do you know how many there's going to be now after all that? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) moving on from that, there are some great trad bands. We've got a great, rich cultural trad scene here in Scotland, right? And obviously, um, we have had Boydie from Pete and Diesel um, join us previously on the podcast um, to chat about his um, experiences and, and the, the great work that Pete and Diesel have been doing um, over the last few years. Yep. Um, but tonight, uh, we are joined by Martin Gillespie of Scarivore. Great to see you boys. Thanks for, thanks for getting me on. <laughs> Our pleasure. How, how are things? How have things been? Um, how's, I suppose, how's COVID been for you, the whole pandemic situation? Um, has everything been all right? Like you guys have managed to stay pretty busy. Creative during all this? Yeah, uh, it's, it's just been pretty mental, I guess. It's something for everybody. I mean, who would have thought? We, we, were, we were in tour in the US when it kicked off in March last year. And uh, also, we had to get ourselves back home uh, instantly. We're only, we're only a week into tour, so we got ourselves back. But like, we were just, at that point, we were just thinking, well, this is going to be like a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so, and we'll be back at it. But now we're, now we're 14, 15 months into it. And to be honest, you know, we're basically more or less writing this year off as well just about so it's, it's kind of crazy to think it's gone it's kind of gone this long 
Yeah, absolutely. Like that, I suppose. You were a uh, you were a week into the tour, a week of how long? How long was it? Yeah, that that, that was that was longer about three weeks. I think just over three weeks. So, um, we're in we're in Oklahoma at the point playing at a festival there. And it's, it sort of kicked off just as we were flying out, and uh, as we got out there, like we were just hearing the stuff like this is all kicking off and things were getting cancelled. We kind of got the first weekend the gigs out of the way, and then uh, like the, some of the tour shows just started dropping, like things were getting cancelled. I thought. Oh no, we managed to get to Oklahoma and they, they, they were just dead set, we're going ahead with events. We've done the festival, but it came Saturday night, we've done our show and we're just like, right, we need to get flights out of here as quick as we can. Because um, I think the lockdown, basically we got back on the Monday and the lockdown on the Tuesday. So if I hadn't got back, then we potentially could have been stuck. So we just literally had to book new flights and and bunt yeah. it and get home. So it's just kind of mental, but um, I just just crazy, crazy time. But I just still kind of just think to myself, I just can't believe it's this long, you know, it's like, we have managed to keep ourselves fairly busy, but it's still, I'm out of a complete, I've done this for 15 or 16 years touring, and it's all, I'm used to being away, so to be home, to be in my flat this long, is like mental for me, you know. And where, yeah. where, whereabouts in the world is home? Where are you? Yeah, I stay in Glasgow. From Tyree originally, but, but live in Glasgow. So. You're from Tyree originally, that, le- that leads us nicely on. You're, you're from Tyree originally, um, but not all the boys are um, in the band. Um as, am I right in saying that you guys are named after the Scary Vaughan Lighthouse out there as well? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So myself, myself, my brother, we were brought up in Tyree. Um, we're, just sort of, well, we're born in the mainland, but uh, sort of brought up in Tyree all our life. But Alec, uh, the singer and praise the drummer, used to go up and haul these kids. And we kind of got to know them that way. And then sort of like 16, 17, got a few tunes in the pub up there. And uh, myself and Alec, we were the same age. We left school at 18. We sort of done our first... So I mean, many tour of the west coast of Scotland, so done like US Barra, Lewis, um, and like we're just we're going to uni at that point in time. So we just it was all about fun and I carry on just to to play music together and you know making a wee bit of money on the side and go to see different islands and whatever. And it just it just kind of grew and grew. We never expected it to do that. And kind of to what it evolves today. So but the, the bands obviously sort of evolved as well over the years with the more yeah. more people adding and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, did you say there that Fraser and Alec were coming to tidy on holiday and you just kind of... Yeah, I did this on holiday, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and like, were you all studying music at the time or were you all doing different things and music was just a hobby and a passion? I sort of, well, like, Fraser and Alec, they both went to Strathclyde to study music. Um, yeah. Dan, my brother, he went, see went to Strathclyde to study sport. I originally started doing sport and jacked after a few months. And I done a piping thing for a few months, and then I got into the, the RC. Well, I started training as a plumber, and then I got into the RCS after all that. So I see, I had no like, I had no like. Fraser and Alec were always very much music, music orientated. Dan was sport. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't think I would ever be a musician anyway. But it just shows you how things change and evolve. So yeah, definitely. So what year was that? Because the first album's two thousand five, isn't it? Yeah. So we moved out. We sort of, we sort of kind of kicked off two thousand three. That's when we started gigging. Um, so doing like the west coast of Scotland and doing a lot of weddings and pub gigs you're playing at like, the park bar and Island in Glasgow and stuff and that, that was like a great hub for like a band starting off to do like, so, the Highland pubs in Glasgow you're, you're, you're sort of getting the chance to play to so many folk that come from the Highlands and Islands and the west coast as well so I mean, that was at that point we were doing a lot of weddings and we were doing a lot of the pub gigs and, and stuff so to get kind of get your, your name known was a great way to start off what what do you call was it was scary was scary for the original name was that the name that you always went with or how no, no. what were you before did you have an embarrassing <laughs> name before and how long was it before you came up with scary war well, well scary war actually only happened for that very first album in 2005 and we'd actually recorded the album and we still didn't have a proper band name and we're oh, sitting right. angus, we're sitting back because basically it was uh, skipness records <clears> which is angus and Andrew from skipness it was their record label that done the first album for us they sort of right. put us on our first tour as well and we went to school with Angus because he's from Tyree as well. So but I remember we recorded the album, the first album at Abgawa, uh, Watercolour Studios, original Watercolour Studios, not the new one. And we literally went back to Tyree and we we're sitting with Angus drinking. And we're like, we need a name. Like, we need a name for the album, we need a name for the band and stuff like that. And eventually, I think it was Angus came up with the name Scary War because before that, we were called the Gillespie Brothers, we were called Bruce. We also, that first tour we done, Skipness had organised the gigs for us, so every every place we went to play, we had a different band name. Every place we went to play, so it's just, <laughs> just nonsense stuff. So yeah, that was good. Scary a great name though. It's got a nice ring to it. I think it sounds sort of it's really punchy, isn't it? Obviously, it's uh, I mean, it's a lot better than like the Gillespie Brothers or any of the other names. 
It's a mental thing though that it's like people in Scotland seem to struggle to say it. Like I think they think when they reach scary border, I think it's a, like it's not going to be said as you would read it. But I see you go see me go away abroad, but people just say it instantly. But as you come to Scotland, and we've had like radio presenters and stuff trying to say scary border, and they can't get it out. It's like it's mental thing. Like I think people just look at it just because it's like obviously that's kind of a long word. Maybe it's kind of, it's kind of strange to some people, but I think it's just going to be said weird. But so you just kind of you say it just as it's read, you know, it's mad. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. So obviously, first first album, two thousand five, West Coast Life, right? How like obviously we're now what sixteen years on from that. Can you look back at that and, and listen to it and like and like be proud of it, or is it kind of like oh, do you feel that it's like we've had a lot of artists on here who have sort of said that their first demos are their first records and whatnot. You can tell that it's a band just trying to find their feet and trying to find yeah. their place musically. Do you feel like that, or can you look back on it with pride and go, actually, really proud of that album that we put out? Uh, I think I look back in the sense of that's what we were. You know, like what we're doing now is evolved from that. So if we didn't do that, I don't think we'd be doing what we've done now because we never had any plan or aspiration to be what we are now. At that point of time, we were a Kelly band. We played right. yeah. Highland West Coast music. So that's what we've done. And like we've just kind of naturally evolved to what we are now. Like over the years, it's taken us. You know, probably to our album in 2010 is when we sort of started to go down the song route a lot more heavy, you know. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll do it wrong. Like, there's bits that are, that are pretty wild and, you know, raw and uh, some of it is. But that's that. That's what we were. And people love it. I mean, we still get folk maps down and say, like, the first two albums are our favourite albums just because they, they love Highland, sort of West Coast pipe music and stuff like that. So, it's, you know, it's one of these sort of things and it's, it's definitely it's just part of the journey. You know, I've, you can go back at loads of bands and you look at them and you see... You can sort of see, as you say, how it's evolved from what it was. I mean, you look at one rig as well. You go back to the play Gaelic album, you know, it's very, very trad. Same sort yeah. of thing. It just starts that. When you look at Skipness, same sort of thing. You go back to the early albums. You know, the first yeah. two are very similar to ours were as well. Ours were similar to theirs. They've done theirs first. It's kind of that same way where it's evolved to what it is now, you know? Yeah. And would you yeah. say... Would you say that Run Rig and Skippinish were two of your biggest kind of influences on the band in general? Yeah. Uh, probably Skipnish were, because they were... At the time, well, they were just sort of ahead of us doing, certainly on the Kelly side, side of things, because we, we were, when it came to songs, we were doing that before they were, but they were ahead in the sort of Kelly sense. And Run Rig were also, I think for all the band, Run Rig were probably always an influence just because they were always a lot more commercial and that sort of thing. But generally, I mean, apart from myself and Dan, are really the only sort of claddy folk, right. or sort of, you know, sort of Celtic, more influence, whereas other guys were sort of brought a lot more with pop and jazz and you know, rock music and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. uh, I think that's, that's one thing. It's probably where our sound is hard to pinpoint. It's probably because there's so many different influences. Yeah. You know, that's not a bad got, thing. Got, no, it's, it's, ideas in the pot, ideas yeah. in the mix. And, yeah, um, totally. You know, it's... You've touched on already, like, um, I was going to ask you about the On The Road album, but you've kind of mentioned that that is a kind of package, the two of them, the West Coast Life and On The Road thing, um, and then how there was that real transition and change going into the self-titled Scary Vote yeah. album. Why, how did that come about? Like, why, why, why was it decided that you know we want to get more people on board? Like, what, what was the state of play at the time? Um, I don't I think after that on the road, we sort of, we sort of toured a lot in Scotland. Then we eventually got our first couple of abroad gigs. I think one was Celtic and Italy, of a few different ones at playing at bigger festivals. I mean, it, I mean, it took us years to get into the festival circuit. I mean, we were selling, we were selling a lot of tickets ourselves, but we had to work hard to, to eventually. You know, get a festival gig when I mean, we knocked the door for years. So I think we just sort of realised, well, to get these festival gigs, we need to evolve our sound even more. Yeah. And, um, you know, to make it more sort of commercial, you know, with more songs and stuff like that. And we just kind of, after that, so sort of 2000, that on the road album into 2008, 2009, so we got a couple more festivals, got, got a wee taste of playing, you know, on a festival stage. And we just sort of, like, you know, we need to evolve this sound now, bringing our own writing into it. You know, we can all go to that stage where, like, Alec was writing songs, I'm writing tunes, some of the, some of the other boys doing songs and tunes, and just sort uh, of, so let's make a, an effort to, you know, do a bigger album, a bigger sound, and we brought, um, obviously, Craig came in and fiddle, Barry in and bass, and Alan, at the point, the piano player wasn't in the band when we done the Scary War album, but um, it was his studio we used, and he produced it all. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, that kind of, the, he sort of kind of laid on that sort of more, probably, commercially sound as well, so, because that's his background. Yeah. You touched upon the fact that you know you've all got different genres and backgrounds and passions for different styles of music and stuff. As the like, and the more the bands evolve, the more influence, I suppose, are, are kind of getting into the mix and into the pot, right? Um, what do you do, you guys? Like, obviously, you write 
pipe music. Alec writes songs. Like, yeah. do you have a what is your songwriting process? Does like Alec come to you with an idea, or you'll go to Alec with an idea, or how do you then get that together as a band? What's the process that you guys um, go through? It's just, so again, it's evolved again over the years. The first for the Scary Boy album, it was, it was more a collaborative sort of, I would say, album. We sort of all kind of worked went away to Craig's dad to the house down in Largs area and down there for like, you know, three, four days at a time and a few different spells. And we just sort of sat together because quite a few other boys, a lot that was written by most of us that album. Um, so now Alex had Jen and Leeds and all the songwriting now he kind of because he's got a studio and that now he, he can sort of bring a pretty solid sort of idea to the table you know obviously once people might put their ideas in after that there's a good solid the tunes are a bit different because um, we kind of make this, that's more of a sort of, obviously a sort of band thing I might have three or four tunes taking the guys to listen to but this is a set and then you know we'll try a few different things and I'll sort of evolve from there so that, that's kind of the way it's been working at the moment and I think that's one thing probably good about the last year or so of actually time to write stuff and not be on the road all the time. So that's probably one bonus of it. You you guys have actually stuck to a really good process of putting an album out every two to three years, which is quite impressive yeah. compared to a lot of bands. Some bands take you know four or five years to get an album together, um, but you guys are on a really unique cycle and journey, I suppose, in that you're doing them every two or three years. Yeah. Do you think that's helped and aided by the fact that there are so many people contributing ideas to the pot? Uh, potentially, it's a hard one as well because the times we thought we weren't doing enough, if you know what I mean. But it's hard because we were on tour all the time. It's like we're a pretty heavy going tour and band, we're just on the road a lot, so it kind of made it hard to, you know, we we're having to block in spells to try and record. And but the ideas aren't there, you can't do it. It's, it's a hard thing, you know. And it's, you know, it's, it's just it's not easy just to sit and write music. It's like you need to have an idea. And, I certainly know, like I'll see, you go through spells and sometimes you've, you know, you've got ideas there and then it's, it just doesn't happen. So, um, I, don't know, I think it's been good that, you know, we have kind of steady sort of run at it. I think there's one year of maybe a three-year gap and that's potentially a wee bit too long. But um, even now, we've sort of kind of jumped on because the route of like getting more singles out as well because obviously the album sale market, that's kind of, it's still there at the moment, but how much longer it's going to be there actually people buying hard copy albums. But whereas I think singles, even though there's still not much money in that, but to have that have that out in social media is a, like a major huge yeah sort of I was, bonus, you know. I was going to say that to you that you know it's almost a cycle of you need to write and have new stuff coming out in order to get new gigs and to get this festival slot. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's a, a vicious cycle in a way because yeah. um, you know uh, as much as you want to make money from your, your music, it's the live gigs that's going to that's really so, going to make the real money and. and just more so now, like with, with Spotify and Apple Music, because they're just absolutely shafting, shafting the, yeah. the musicians and the writers, you know, and it's like, that, that's where there needs to be a massive swing in it, because it's just not viable. We're, we're lucky we're a live actor and band, you know, to, to, to earn a living from doing that, because we wouldn't be earning it from from streams, you know, and, and, and we, we've done a lot of streams, and when you look at the yeah. figures of it, it's, it's, it's pretty galling what the, what the return is in it, compared to selling, compared to doing hard copy albums, which was great when we're on the road, but we've not been on the road for the last 16 months, you know, shifting them, you know, it's like... And that's, and that's a whole other rough cycle in itself because platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, they absolutely make sure that your music gets heard more, like you, you, you've been listened to a lot more for, the, for them being there, but actually you're making nothing from, from that. Yeah. It's a vicious cycle in that your music's been heard in wider circles, but actually you're not making any money from it. Yeah. Um, it's a yeah, it's a as you say, it's they've, kind of, they've kind of got you because like cause we've talked we talked about it before is not putting our stuff on it, but it's like it's catch twenty two because so many people like they've got Spotify and Apple Music accounts and that's where they, that's where they're going to come across your music. So it's like yeah, but, but, but it's, I, the good thing is I think during the pandemic it's been good that some of the major artists have also realised now because they're not gigging they're thinking oh hold on this streaming stuff's like the amount of streams I'm getting on a day on a daily basis or weekly basis. Doesn't add up to what I'm getting off Spotify and Apple Music, you know. So it's good. It's good to some. Because she can like a few of the major artists have come out and spoke about it. So the more of them that do it, and kind of stamp down and say, well, if they decide they're going to start taking the music off, it that's when things change, you know. To go back to the to the Scary Vote album, I guess you guys kind of justified the fact that you then expanded your lineup and took the band to new places because obviously you went on to win. Numerous trad awards, like best live act, obviously at the trads in 2011, which is an award that you've you've won numerous times since, um, and whatnot. So th th that must have felt like 
vindication and justification for having made that decision. Yeah, I know totally. I mean, because it was a nerve-wracking time for us because when we decided to make that change that we're going to go as a festival band, that we just had to stop doing all weddings, all private gigs. And you, as you know yourself, with money in private gigs, a lot of money in the private gigs and weddings. So we just had to cut that. And even like from stopping doing a lot of the pubs and town, wee town halls we used to do, and like we were making, you know, we grew up falling to stop doing them because there was some people that didn't like what we changed to because there's, there's people yeah. that are very set in their way with being, you know, like the, like the original trad sound. That, that's fine, but we knew we'd, we knew we'd lose some falls, but we knew we'd gain a lot more. And, and then as I say, to go on and get the, you know, the track, the trad award, the first trad award was great. And, and I think even when we, when we launched that Scary War album, that was our sort of first big Glasgow gig. We'd done the, the, the old ABC and Sucky Hall Street and sold that out. So it was great doing something like that as well for the first one. So Yeah. I mean there are there are obviously some 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 great tracks on on that Scary World album. Path to Home's a personal favourite. It's a it's a great tune. Obviously, what are the chances chasing the sun? Do you feel like you evolved further as a band through those? Because you then it was around that time that you then brought Woody in and stuff to the band as well, wasn't it? Yeah, we were just after I think I think maybe the world of chances, I think we potentially went a wee bit the kind of this commercial idea and the head at that point of like going, let's want to go on the radio. And I think, I think we just we maybe just went a wee bit too far from what the scary war sound was. It was maybe just a wee bit too commercially, not maybe enough tune sets and stuff. And that was just that was a learning experience. You know, I think most bands do it at a certain point of time. Yeah. Um, and then went to run the chase in the sun 2014 again. You know, we brought in quite a few more tune sets back into it. In 2016, I think Scott joined just after that. So we'd done the decade, like the one for. Our ten year anniversary in twenty fifteen. That was like a part live in some old tracks album as well. So it was around that time that you obviously did Happy to Be Home with Sharon Shannon, which yeah. is a great call then. Um how did that how did that come about firstly? Yeah, we've done a few things. I think we first done something with Sharon. We've done a few gigs for I think we had the over at Tidy after it was. We had the over at Tidy Music Festival. So we kinda of got to know her then um pretty well. We just asked if she'd be up for doing a Alex I wrote Happy to be home and it's got the sort of catchy tune bit in it. Yeah. And we just thought that that'd be just tremendous and Sharon was playing that in the box. So um, we flew her in for one day. I think it was I know it wasn't even a full day because she came in in the morning, we were recording the castle sign, got picked her up, got her in, she recorded Happy to be home, we ended up just getting her to record and on uh, I think can't find the cure as well. She done that and then she flew back that night. So wow. we're just just a, a genius musician, like incredible player. So it's great to have her it actually we brought her back over after that again to do the music video and stuff as well, which we recorded in there. In the part bar, so it was good. Brilliant. And I suppose that's really nice that you managed to hark back to those park bar park bar roots and stuff about you know where you, you kind of cut your mustard as a band yeah. in the early days. And so you're playing to so many people, even like doing that the we used to do the world type band championship weekends in the park, and it was just crazy, like, right. crazy stuff. So it's good. You touched on the decade concert. That must have um that must have been incredible, obviously, to have put on a show of that scale to celebrate, you know, ten years since the since the debut album. I think was it six thousand capacity and a big supporting bill as well. Yeah, yeah. I said, we just like, well, we just have also an idea. of kind of Dan, my brother. He's obviously he's a sort of the business brain, and he runs T. He set up set, set up Tidy Music Fest. Only was like, I think we should do something for our ten year. We thought, well, Oban, Oban being the gateway to the Isles, and we kind of start. We used to play a lot in Oban as well at the start, and obviously, so you've got access to all the islands. It's Close, close enough to Glasgow and it's a central belt. So we just thought, we'll do something in Oban. But we, so we, we thought we'd maybe do like 1,500 tickets. So we'll, we'll, we'll do something in Mossfield Pitch in the, in the Shinty Stadium. We, and we thought, like I said, we had 1,500 tickets. We thought, we'll put them in sale. And they, they went about 30 minutes. And then we put another 1,500 on. They went another 30 minutes. So we had to go back to Dronborn. Like, right, we obviously need to scale everything up here. But as, as you know, when you start scaling things up, the costs start going through the roof. But... Um, oh, it was amazing. So we pulled it all together, and you know, it was an, it was an incredible way to sort of celebrate our ten year. And, and out, out a decade grew open live after that, just to sort of the, the people we sort of got a survey at the end, and a lot of the, the local folk and really wanted a, a sort of an annual event. So open live grew out of that, which, which has been great as well. Hopefully, we're going to get that back maybe next year. So. Yeah, you've you've just stole my script. There's a way to move on to obviously say that you know <laughs> open live obviously grew out a out a decade. Yeah. Um, so you guys obviously have, you know, heavy involvement in Tidy Music Festival and, like, I now have your, your own open live thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so, like, you've evolved from, you've sort of become an institution 
of sorts, you know, like you're not just a you're not just a band anymore. You're you're branching out into actual events and festivals yeah. and curating your own stuff as well, which is really cool. As you said, festivals and whatnot sadly missed, and hopefully Open Live will be back in 2022. I've never actually made it down yet, so. Um, well, you like um, definitely. Obviously, you you touched upon at the start about how you were on a you were on a US tour, right? When um when all the COVID stuff hit, um. But you guys have played and toured a lot around, you know, Europe and the US and and beyond. Um, what are some of your like favorite shows to have played? Your favorite festivals? Your favorite memories? I guess of touring. Okay, I'll say I'll probably one of the first like the first film gig we've done was at like Celtic Festival, which is in the Austin in the in the, uh, in the Alps. And I mean, that, that was incredible. But we been our first ever film gig for a festival, and that like was great. So that always sticks in my mind. And like we've been typical Chukter boys, we, we, we got out there and went and absolutely skate for two days as well. <laughs> I think the gig was a bit of a blur in the end, but we kind of got through it. So that always sticks. Then you know, we've been really, actually, I always, it's been, that's another good thing about actually being in lockdown. You've actually been able to sort of reevaluate what we've done in the last 10 to 15 years because it's one thing, seeing you're in tour all the time, you, you just, you kind of forget, or you don't sort of take, you don't sit and take stock of what it is you're doing all the time, you know, so it's been good. In the sense, just to sit back and think, we actually done this, we've done this, or we could do this better. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've been lucky, like Denmark, Tuna Festival, one of the biggest sort of folk Celtic world music festivals in Europe. And um, we've been lucky to play that three or four times. What other ones? And then you go to America, you've got some of the major Irish fests, like Milwaukee, Irish Fest, Dublin Irish Fest, lacrosse. So, you know, it's, it's so so many sort of great festivals. And uh, Spain, I've seen, what's the one in Spain? I've just seen it get announced again today. Altogether, that's the one we've done done that three or four times now as well. You know, it's, so it's, we're very very lucky. And there's a lot of good ones down south as well, Shrewsbury Fest, and it's it's, it's great. And just to to sort of sit back and think, and hope, I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll get a few more in the next few years as well. So. Any festival or events that stick out for the the negative reasons, the not so good ones. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say that actually the the negative ones, and also you touched upon the the situation in Italy where you, where you all went and got hammered. Emma, you must have some, especially being such a big band in terms of numbers you must yeah. have some memorable f**k-ups from down the years uh, there's, there's been a few like uh, we're, we're kind of pretty good right now because we just sort of realised that we, we, in the early days you know, you're carrying on and that and you can get, get away with stuff but as things start to evolve and you're you know like you, you need to be very careful we learn we kind of learn like the hard way a couple of times if you know you need to, you can't if you know what I mean like, you need to be on, on the ball but and uh, you know, I had a couple of things. I was actually, funnily enough, we went and we kind of they took us a day early. I liked taking us out a day early, and it was the worst thing you could have done. Was <laughs> so we just, you know, just we were getting bits of the gig, heading getting bits of the gig back, and it's like they were happy enough, but it's still wild. You just don't, you don't want that. And now even more so because things are getting filmed all the time, people's phones. So we we we've kind of got a conscious effort. Like, by all means, we can have a few drinks and all that, but it's like it's a case of you need to be you need to be on the ball and and. Uh, because there is a lot of stake now, because all it takes is one, you know, for a band, it can be one bad performance at a big major festival. You don't know who's watching. Yeah. You know, you don't know who's there, and like if the festival directors there and stuff, and they see you make an ass, you know, and there's a lot of money involved and stuff. It's like, you just, it's, uh, I don't know, it's hard at times. There's a lot of temptation to drink and stuff like that. And it's like, you just, you just kind of screwed up in that, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. Save that for the after party and all yeah. that stuff. Eh? Totally. I mean, I've, I've missed a few flights home and stuff like that, but that's kind of been after the gigs, thankfully. So to look now at the uh, obviously what's the the modern day stuff, um, you guys like to go back to what we were saying at the start of the episode. You guys have actually actually been pretty active during during the pandemic, and you've you've obviously found ways to be creative and to be to be doing stuff together, which not every band has managed to do. Um, first of all, let's talk about Everyday Heroes because obviously that came from yourself. That's one of one of your own pieces. Um, let's chat about where that came from and what it meant to you, and obviously. The fact that it went to number one in Scotland as well. Yeah, we're done the London back, I don't know, a week or so. And uh, it's a chap, Brian, that does all our merch from Adventure Works in Falkirk. Like, well, I just talked to him a lot because just doing the festival stuff and like the Scary Bone merch. So he, he was just we're on the phone chatting. He was like, he thought about maybe writing a tune just, you know, for our NHS, it doesn't support the NHS. He just, I was like, that's a good idea. And I, like, it was a Sunday night I spoke to him. I think the Monday morning I woke up the crack of dawn, I just had this idea in my head and I went to the room. Played that a couple of times, recorded it on the phone, and then just sent it to the boys. And I said, Listen, Brian, put this idea in my head. What do you think of this tune? And by the end of the week, I'd sent it to Scott, and he'd sort of tracked it. And then we got all the other boys in, 
to, to send their bits in because a lot of the guys have all got their own recording equipment as well. So we just managed to pull it all together and uh, Scott sort of done a mix of it and all that. And then um, Craig put, the, put a video together. We just sort of do a home video sort of thing and put it together that way. But as I say, I never expected it to to, to do what it done. Um, and, you know, to end up a Scottish number ones, you know, to, to think to, to do that during a pandemic was uh, was pretty unreal. But again, as well, obviously, to, to sort of the awareness it done for the NHS stuff and and sort of money it generated, and also I think it was just great at that point of time. The sort of Thursday night tune thing had started as well, so the amount of folk that were actually playing it as part of that was great as well. I mean, as the music was so important to people, it's sort of one thing we learned like how, how music how important music is to folk. But even, obviously, it is to us and you know, to yourself because that's what we do. But it's like actually how important music is to actually people in general. And about folk we were getting messages, even when we were doing like, you know, Alec was doing his Friday nights, so I'm doing like cocktail nights and tunes. I thought I'm messing all the time, just saying how much they enjoy just, you know, having a bit of crack and hearing some tunes and stuff like that. It's so important to people, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 uh, it's brought home as well, you know, the fact that um, it's always the apps that are cut and slashed by the government. Oh. The government always slashed the apps, and yet what is it that people have turned to during, during uh, this major global pandemic? The arts, and obviously the arts cover so much music, like film, whatever else. But it's without the arts, so many people like would uh, like everyone's mental health has suffered anyway. I would say yeah. uh, to a point. But without the arts, seriously, we really would have been in a in a really sticky situation. Yeah. Oh, it's it's because uh, I've seen there was new regulations put out today as well, and it's just it's crazy. Just that actually, the arts has always last. It, it, it's not just been. It's not just been now in the face, it's always been the case. You know, it's always put then, it's always the thing that's cut first. It's just like, it's crazy where, it's crazy how, as you say, how important it is for people's better health, but actually, even for Scotland, is it, how much it generates for Scotland as a company. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's just crazy the thought process and the whole thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. We spoke, like, Ali and I spoke on the introduction before he came on there about how Scotland has such a rich cultural heritage yeah. and, like, and whatnot, and yet, as you say, Despite that, like despite the fact that our culture is possibly more recognisable around the world than any other countries, we still don't get the support that yeah. like, anywhere near the support that we ought to be getting. Yeah, well, see, even like we, we've been pushing like visit Scotland and stuff for years. But see, we see we're playing these Irish fests in in, uh, in America, like like Milwaukee. Obviously, they're Irish fest. Then like we've done at Scottish fest at the San Francisco Highland Games, which is one hundred twenty thousand folk. And do you, do you know what? Do you know who the sponsor of it is? Aer Lingus. They're doing, tours, they're doing tours of Ireland. And we're like, to visit Scotland, get yourselves out there. We've done a feasibility study, we don't think it's... You're like, honestly, it's like, selling sweeties to kids. Folk just want to come and visit. They want to come and visit Scotland. If you've got packages for them, they'll come and do it. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's absolutely incredible. You know, like, um, you, you guys have done New York Tartan Week as well. We've spoken about it a lot on this podcast. Like, we've been involved in it and whatnot. But every year, I'm, I'm sure you know or know of Kyle Kyle Dawson, and he's obviously the president uh, of Tartan Week at the minute. Um, he speaks every like he speaks frankly with me every single year about how he struggles to get Scottish-based sponsors to back New York Tartan Week. But it's crazy. It's, 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 it's just us in America is so vast. It's the same sort of thing when you go out, like, Everyone's Guinness and Jameson's, which I understand Guinness, but like Scotland's makes the best whiskey in the world yet. We just don't yeah. promote it well enough. And don't be wrong, it's, it's becoming more now, but it's still nowhere near. I mean, the, the publicity that Jameson's and Guinness do in America is, you know, incredible. Yeah. Whereas you think if we, like, if our whiskey company's got together, it's like, it just says, let's just go and advertise it because people want to spend in whiskey, you know, they want to drink it. Yeah, it's crazy. As you say, the amount of times that I've been in the US and people have said, ah, do you want a whiskey? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, damn, it's like, I'll have a whiskey. And the hand you at Jameson's, it's like, ah. Oh, like, I, I love Jameson's. I actually, I actually drink it a lot. They're out there. It's just it's easy to drink it. But it's like, I just, I just still, we actually started doing whiskey tastings. We do whiskey tastings and music out in the States. Like, people are still, right. we, we, like, we've had sort of, sort of sponsorship deals like Albania and Abilene and stuff. So we're giving them, they're getting a chance to sample different whiskeys and we're talking about the, the areas in Scotland and play music. From the different areas and stuff, and folk just love stuff like that, you know. And it's sort of just kind of make them learn a bit more about the different kind of whiskies and things. So it's good. As well as the everyday heroes thing, you guys have done a couple of like live stream gigs and stuff, and obviously the one most recently on um, the thing, the Royal Yacht Britannia, the, the yeah. one. That, that was brilliant. That looked great. I'm seeing some of the bits of footage and stuff of it, and it looked like it was a it was a real success. Like obviously, it's not the same. You can't replicate the idea of having a a crowd in front of you, but you know, just getting the guys together and being able to play tunes and make people feel happy from afar, um, that they're getting this live music, um, 
was that was that how you felt about it, or how was it for you guys? Yeah, I think so. We done the we done the Clyde side distillery first, and obviously we're pretty nervous going into it because we'd seen quite a few things online and just thought it needs to be better. And we just thought if we're going to do this, we're going to invest the money in it. We're going to get yeah. you know the right crew, the right gear, just to make it look as sort of high end as we could. So we, we, as you know, we online there's no limit to tickets, and people know they can wait the last day to do it and we've we, we done all right the first you know the initial first week we're like this is great but then we thought right we need to do a good bit more and it's all the same they're on up to it we've done, we done, we done well in the end but it's uh, it was a nerve-wracking thing just because we'd never done it before either just a sure. test in new water but uh, it, was, it was great to <laughs> nice pun there by the way nice pun <laughs> nice pun in there by the way <laughs> <laughs> new water it was uh, so it was good I said it was great to play together so we haven't, we haven't even seen each other for long enough yeah, that Clyde side ones with uh, we done that. And it, as, as you say, it was weird. It's weird not playing a crowd. It's so bloody weird because even just at the end of the set, it's like you kind of just there's no noise around. But we saw that's why we set up facing each other because at least you kind of look at each other and interact. Yeah, so I think it would be even more weird if we just set up like we would on a normal stage because then you're not looking at you're just looking at an open space. But we kind of done it with them all now. It's just sort of, well, we face each other, we can have a bit of crack, and people people enjoy that sort of thing anyway. They know it's they know it's live, you know. So yeah. Last year, you guys put out the the single "You and I," um, yeah. which obviously went on to numerous, you know, playlists and stuff with BBC Radio Two and all that sort of thing. Um, personally, I obviously I spoke about "Path to Home" being one of my favourites. I think "You and I" is possibly my favourite song that you guys have ever released. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, talk to us about like where that came from. Was it one of Alex? Obviously, yeah, yeah. Alex, like you wrote it. I think it was in the summer, tail end of summer last year. So we kind of had it for a while, and we thought, well. This aim to get this out before the end of the year. And we released it at the end of November, but probably in hindsight, it might not have been the best time just in the run up. You know, it's like Christmas and everybody's all the Christmas songs are out, and people are doing Christmas singles and stuff. So we kind of released it, and to be fair, it didn't do what we wanted it to do. But then it turned out that one of the Radio 2 um, playlisters watched our stream on New Year's Day. Ah. He, he was aware of us because he had been sent the track, we tuned in and watched our stream on New Year's Day and absolutely loved it. So that's because we, we didn't expect, like, we meet on the stream after New Year and went to Skype for a few days. And then on the Monday, we kind of got the email from the from our PR company saying, oh, listen, I think Radio 2 are going to take the track. So it was great. So that, that following week, it was on for a week. We just thought, well, we'll get a week on the playlist. But um, to, to end up with six was, was pretty incredible because they were saying for, an, uns, for an, uns, an, unsigned artist, an unsigned artist to get one week's pretty good, but to get six, they were saying it was pretty unreal. So... It was, it was great for six weeks, isn't it? It's, it's a funny thing to the car. I listen to radio tonight. A lot of the boys do. You, you know, you're listening to some of the, most, the biggest acts in the world. The next minute, your own song comes on. So it's a, it's a pretty mental thing. But no, it was good. And so we got a lot, of, a lot of amazing messages of people just from from all the world that listen to radio too as well. So it was great in that sense. So it was a, it was a nice way to start the year, having having something like that to push and to, to promote online as well. Yeah, brilliant. Because I do you know what you, you've actually cleared up my point that I was about to ask you about. Because wh- when I was obviously reading up on like stuff for for this, I I had thought that you and I came out this year, but that's obviously because uh, we'd obviously seen it. Like because obviously it was last year, but the guys at Radio Two had seen it this year yeah. and were pushing it this year, yeah, which is yeah. probably quite unheard of as well in the sense that like a, a major radio station like that are coming so late to a track, but then giving it so much promo as well. Yeah. Yeah, I I think as well, you know, it's uh, as you say, if you hadn't tuned in, that might not have happened. So it was it was kind of strange in that sense. I think with the the reaction it got after the first couple of weeks, you know, just just with the amount of sort of people texting and messaging about it and and sort of interaction on social media. So I think that's what gave it good stead to 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 stay on as well. And a lot of the presenters were playing it as well, which was good. It wasn't just like stuck a couple of presenters. I think I think they all gave it a spin at least yeah at least once or twice as well, which was good. So and is that. Is that the first of your your stuff that's been played so heavily on like BBC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a couple of plays before, like Mark Radcliffe and stuff like that. We done we done a Radio Two live session with Mark Radcliffe. When would it have been the last World Cup? I think it was because England were playing that night. They get beat because we were in the studio at the time. Just put a bit of start playing, and you can see Mark Radcliffe like that. I think it was Croatia or something. Beat them or something like that. Yeah, was that was that the night they went out in the semi finals? Yeah. Aye. Honestly, I, I was playing an acoustic gig in, in London that night, right? And I sat watching the game before like before the gig. Um 
and we were obviously all celebrating when we seen the goal and stuff. We got we got to the venue, right? It, it was not like a, it wasn't a paid sort of. Uh, you didn't. It wasn't a ticketed event, right? So yeah. the place was rammed when we arrived, and we thought, oh, brilliant! Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be packed, it's gonna be great. And then they got beaten. Everybody cleared out. Everybody left. <laughs> That's mad. So, I, mean, that's, that's the reason. That's, I remember that night. This man getting a mark. He's good crack, Mark. And uh, <laughs> people laughing and stuff. But, I think. Uh, apart, apart from that, yeah, we've had a couple of plays in radio too. But that's, that's you and I's been our first sort of major playlisted yeah. track, which has been great. So. And like I read about what Woody was saying about the way that he, you know, produced it so that it had that sort of commercial sort of feel about it and that yeah. radio friendly sort of vibe about it. Do you think, like, I suppose, maybe I've answered my own question, but I was about to say to you, why do you think it's that track that's getting, that, is, that has been the one that's been picked up so much by commercial radio? Do you think it's just because he was there at the right time, heard the track, or, or do you think... I think so, uh, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's, like, you know, it's, it's a great song, I and mean, we've got a few really good songs. I think, it was, as you see, I think it's just lucky at that time he's, he's heard it, and that, that was the newest track as well, you know. Um, I mean, it could have been a time. I seen it, the guy was definitely he's been aware of us for years. Yeah. So I think it's just you know he's, he's obviously aware that he'd received that track the month prior to it, so he knew, he knew there was a new song out. Whereas I mean, he could have tuned in without any new material, then we probably wouldn't have gone at all, you know. Or if it'd been like a, a tune set or something a lot more traditional, and we wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have got that opportunity. So it's mm. as I said, the right song and probably the right time as well. Is the guys sort of tuned in so. So obviously you and I up to this point is the is the latest single, the latest release yeah. for the band. But what's next? Are we getting some new music soon? We are indeed. We're going to be releasing a new song on the second of July. So the video and stuff has just been done, and uh, we're pretty excited about that. So there'll there'll be teasers if you've not seen them already on the on the on the scary Boy socials, and Twitter, and Instagram, and Facebook and stuff. So we're sort of consciously working maybe towards a new album as well for for next year as well. So. I was about to say to you that you know obviously Evo came out what 2018, so yeah, you're, 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 I know we've been in a pandemic, but you're kind of hitting that point where in that two to three year cycle that you've been in, yeah. the album's kind of next up is kind yeah. of imminent. Eh? Yeah, well, we had we released a live. We was quite lucky actually last year because in our 2019 winter tour of Scotland, we recorded all our shows with the plan of having it as a live album for our US stuff last year. So we released that. We managed to obviously, thankfully we got all that recorded. So that actually got mixed earlier on in the pandemic. And then we released that in June last year as well. So it was good to have, because that's one thing folk always asked us about is having an action. We had some live tracks in some of the albums of the decades, got some live tracks, but we're always asked about a live album because people, it's, we are a live band, like to, to come and see us, you know, it's a live sound. I think people really enjoy it. It's hard to, it's hard to recreate a live sound in a studio. Um, so it was good to find a, an actual full live album. Certainly, we got a lot of good feedback and released it in June last year, and people enjoyed it. I suppose what are what would you say is your like your proudest moment with the band? I suppose to like up to up to this point, what what is your proudest achievement? Where we're scary for? You know, we've we had a lot of amazing gigs. You know, I think the, the ten year anniversary is always going to stick in our head, just of what we managed to achieve. You know, for ten years and. And sort of pulling the crowd and event together like we did up Noven was incredible. I, I think the way we've evolved throughout the years and we've managed to keep doing this and, and, and grow it and grow it. You know, you say there's a lot of bands that might do three, four years and then just fall away, but we've managed to keep this going, keep the core of the guys together, which is also hard. And we've, you know, we've had a couple of changes with bass players, but apart from that, it's from the same core of guys. And you know, I'm gutted like last year was obviously a 15 minute, a 15 year anniversary with Invery Castle plan, which I think we did. Potentially even bigger than what Oban was was going to be, so that that, that probably been another highlight. Um, but you know, as, as I say, we've been lucky. I count myself very lucky the amount of places I've got to visit and festivals and other acts we've got to meet and share stages with as well. So I mean, there's there's so many. Um, yeah. But probably I said I think the, the ten year anniversary of Oban, I think just you know it been our tenth year, the event we managed to pull off. I think it's definitely one of the one of the top top moments for me. Yeah, I mean, in, in Verity would have been. Amazing. But, oh, I was so excited. Yes, that was one of the toughest things last year, actually. We just, you know, we just decided we need to pull the plug in us. So obviously we had to, but it was, it was pretty gutting because we put a lot of time into planning all out yeah. and what we we're going to do and stuff. And it's, yeah. it was uh, kind of gutting. But. What are your aspirations for the future? I mean, obviously, uh, you were talking about new single, potentially a new album and stuff like yeah. that. Um, 
Is there anywhere that you in particular think I'd love to play there in terms of a festival or a location in the world? Is there, is there anywhere that you're like, yeah, I'd love to take the band out to wherever? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I want to go back to Oz because we're meant to be in Oz this year for a second yeah. tour. We've done, we done our first one in 2019, which is incredible. So we're looking forward to going back, but I don't, I don't even know what's going to be 22. It might be 23 now just because everyone's been knocked back like two yeah. years now. Um, so I'm deaf because the gigs, the shows we've done out there were incredible on the reception. You know, there's a big Scottish contingent out in Oz as well, probably you know, more so in the, in the States. You know, I, I just thought, I think... Really? I think I've, I've not been to Oz yet. That's my uh, plan. For, I'm ho- I was hoping to go later this year, but probably yeah. not. Are you thinking that there's a bigger Scottish contingent in Oz than there is in the US? Maybe not, but I, I just think, I, I don't know, I just seem like a, a really good vibe from considering how long it's taken us to build up to where we are in the States and what we sort of jumped into in Oz straight away. You know, I just think that there might be, it might not take as much a build, if you know what I mean, in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just, the gigs were, I mean, the festival was incredible, the receptions were incredible, you know. So I'm de- definitely looking forward to getting back there. And, uh, you know, hopefully make a few other, a few other countries I've not been to yet. So. As it stands, have you guys got anything in the calendar at all? But right, right now, we're still, we're still scheduled to go back to the States in September. Um, we've, got, we've got, you know, a, nearly a four-week tour. Um, a lot of the gigs were obviously moved from last year to this year as well, and a few extras as well. But at the moment, We've just been granted a three-year visa, but we can't get over the line because all the concerts are shut here, but the Belfast concert and the London one, the, the next booking you can get is February next year, which is obviously no use. And, and obviously right now, well, the US actually they opened up, opened up to a certain amount of countries today for travel, but the UK is not one of them as well. Yeah, so. I've seen that, yeah. yeah. So at the moment, you know, we're kind of just sitting tight to see. We've got a festival, we've got Moonbeam's Festival in July down south. Um, which is in Yorkshire and I think there's maybe another one in August but so, so there's not much but I said I'm just I'm taking in anything that happens I'm taking it as a bonus I said this at the start of the year for the guys is we just need to roll with this and if we get stuff as a bonus and if we don't we just need to power through and you know and look to look to the end of the year 2022 but as you, as you say so the arts is right at the end again if we're doing shows we want to be doing them to near enough full capacity that we can yeah. because there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of venues you just can't do at half capacity. It's just it's not financial. It's never going to work, you know. So yeah. um, just kind of thought to ourselves, well, let's let's just sit tight as long as we can, and then you know we try and do stuff as soon as things are open to do it. So who do you live with? Because they must be fed up of seeing you, but now like <laughs> oh, just just myself. My, my girlfriend stays a few days a week, so that's it. I've got, <laughs> I've got more than for that. So that'd be a good thing. Uh, that's, right. that's why there's so many empty bottles of whiskey up there. That's <laughs> one, I don't used to drink in the house. That's been one of the worst things about lockdown. I've seen that bloody drink most nights. So. I've been good the last two weeks, but it's all going to kick off again now the Euros have started. So. Uh, right. Never have I ever, right? We've got a few questions for you, right? To, before, we, before we wrap up. So the first one is, never have I ever made a horrendous excuse to get out of a commitment? You must have done that at some point. You must have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, well I, I, I can tell you one as a fan or maybe well, I better not say that just come on tell us <laughs> so, nah, nah, how many people do this podcast <laughs> we've only I suppose we've, we've only charted so far in 11 countries around the world that's all we've, 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 oh, we've no, I, can't, I can't say it actually no it was actually I better not say that <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably like end up done myself. I've probably done a few myself over the years. Tell you what though, pawning off your 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 piping in your boxes advert to set a certain somebody was there. That's that's one, is it? I well, the same she's she's doing off because my girlfriend looks says you're not doing that, and I'm like, right. And I goes to Dan, Brian from Slange just messes and Dan goes, Craig, where's your man for that? <laughs> Did he actually? Because <laughs> I sent it to you and I sent it to Cammy Barnes. I thought he'd be up for it as well, and Cammy's yeah. like. No chance, no chance. I'm doing it. I thought, well, he's great. We definitely doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. So thanks a lot. Mate. <laughs> the next one, you you actually half touched upon this earlier on in the, in the episode. <laughs> Can't stop laughing at that now. Um, you actually touched upon this one uh, earlier on in the episode. And never have I ever shown up at the wrong airport or flight. You must have done that as well. I've missed a flight in Italy. Went in an absolute skate and. Uh, woke up the boys my brother couldn't wake me up he, was out, he said I was out of the game he shaking me slapped me just couldn't get out of bed 
So they've literally all got to the airport on the flight and I've come to, stuck in, stuck in a hotel, <laughs> nobody's speaking English or anything. So I, I managed to fly back that night. The, the one with a gig, though, that went in the wrong place, seen with the early years of band, we're doing, we're playing at a Cayley, and uh, there's a wee place in the borders, it's got the same name as a place in Stirling. What's it called? And there's a guy from Tyreek, was there. I can't remember, but we ended up going to the wrong place. He went to the borders and said we're going to the place in Stirling for the gig. So it turned up the wrong bloody place. So I was like, we might, we might still make the gig for about an hour late. We got there at the end and stuff. So. There's not been that many flights. Surprisingly enough, there's, there's not been that many flights missed in the band. So I've missed one or two. I think me and Alec nearly missed a couple, made them the skin of our teeth. And there was, there was a time when Alec and Craig used to smoke in the band. We're, we're going out to do a tour of the Middle East and we're playing in Switzerland first. So we flew to Switzerland and we had to fly back to Heathrow to then fly out to Dubai. And when we got to Heathrow, Craig and Alec thought they were out for a smoke. And they were out for a smoke and they didn't realise they had to go back through security. You know what Heathrow's like? So the time they got back through security, they missed, they missed the flight, connecting flight to Dubai. So they then had to book another flight, which took them some, somewhere else to then get back into Dubai again. So just like, the whole trip cost us a fortune. Metal. I do remember, to be fair, when it, um, back in the day when we played in the youth band, Woody losing his passport in Heathrow as well. And uh, it was a bit of a nightmare because we were all flying out to Switzerland for an event. And honestly, it was in the bottom of his bag somewhere and it held us all up by ages. Listen, he's still the same. If it's not, he's left. He's, we arrived in Manchester to fly somewhere for a gig and he, he, the whole way down there and he forgot his passport. And he's all leaving his chart or his pipes or something. He's forgotten the pipes. He's like, oh my God, brilliant. <laughs> Never have I ever had more than one speeding ticket in a day. I've had a speeding and an overloading in the same day. Two speeding fines and overloading in the same day. <laughs> so I, 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 was, I was going up to play at a gig in Aberdeen and uh, just, just leaving Glasgow, out picking Alec up in Dennis and the van, they stopped me doing 45 and a 30 and the van was overweight so I had to go back unload half the van hire a car put stuff in that oh, it's metal. and then got up up to Aberdeen I've been caught by one of the cameras at the side of the road going up there so it's like one of these days just a nightmare <laughs> that is it that is an absolute nightmare yeah. and then last one never have I ever made a business call on the toilet you've definitely sat on the toilet and spoken about a gig you definitely have oh damn easy yeah eh? I probably do that. I actually do that quite a lot. Probably my phone goes a lot. I'm sitting out on a crap, and phone goes. <laughs> Hello. Just to clarify, you're not on the toilet just now. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no I, don't, I don't keep the whiskey in the toilet. Don't I? <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear that. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be great for anybody. Yeah. Um, Martin Gillespie from Scary Horror. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast this evening. All the best with the new single and the new album when it comes out. Uh, Thank we'll you. See you soon. Thanks, lads. All the best.